1: Hello, good people! Welcome to our show!
0: Bad people,
1: welcome to our show! Medium people, welcome! Anyone who wanna learn more about getting visibility, organic reach, and many other things that can help you grow online, welcome! Because today we are going to cover the topic about boosting visibility through book publishing. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Josh Pernoff, how are you?
0: I'm great, it's great to be here and talk to your audience.
1: Yeah, big pleasure. To get you. I love reading books. I spent a lot of time by reading books and I had bad habit by overwatching TV. Today, I over reading books <laughs> and I love this experience. It's foundation of any skills. Josh, before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and anything that can help our listeners to learn more about you.
0: Okay, I actually strangely was trained as a mathematician. I started my career in graduate school at MIT as a uh, training to be a mathematician. Figured out that wasn't really what I wanted to do. Spent 14 years in the startup business in Boston, and then 20 years as an analyst at Forrester Research. While I was at Forrester, I uh, published several books, including the one people can see behind me, Groundswell, uh, first really practical book about using social media uh, in business, sold 150,000 copies. Um, And uh, starting based on that, uh, I basically pivoted to become an author and editor. So I've been, since I left Forrester eight years ago, I have been working exclusively with business authors to help them to create compelling books and to be successful with their books.
1: Mm -hmm. Nice. Love it. Love it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Josh, I have the first question about uh, your experience of writing non-boring books. You know, it's interesting that uh, I love reading books. Many books are great for sleeping. You know, when you have problem with sleep, you can take a new boring (laughs) book, you know, to read it (laughs) and sleep well all night. You can forget about anything, you know. Uh, But uh, many books uh, are great, you know, when you can't uh, stop reading them. For example, if I take any book from Jack London, um, many other great authors, you know, I can forget about sleep, about meal, about water, because I'm inside of this book i'm inside of some journey uh, some business books are great uh as well for example joe sugarman wrote a book how to retain readers uh until the end yeah i when i read this book uh, I, I can you know live on this book i can get all this insights so i, I want to ask you about writing non-boring book how to do it you know how to uh provide something because you know you can share value of course yeah we can share value mm-hmm. you can provide something new unique but if it's boring nobody cares people Mm -hmm. can skip it in the beginning any tips about that
0: oh definitely i i think what people don't understand about business books is that uh, they assume a non-fiction book has to be all about facts but in fact business books and non-fiction books are stories all of them are stories unless you structure your book as a story you won't be able to draw people through it and books are made out of stories the biggest problem i have with authors i work with is that they don't have a sufficient number of case studies or interviews and we don't learn about the people who are actually dealing with the same issues that they're talking about so if you want a book that will retain people's interest having having stories be central to uh to what's in the book is crucial Mm -hmm.
1: yeah can you tell how to collect data once um let me share a short story about yeah. Lloyd Richard. He published a book 11 years ago, but he spent 14 years to write a single book. 14 years. For me, it's hard to imagine, you know, how to write a book 14 years. Yeah, it takes yeah, a lot of time. But anyway, after publishing a book, he spent some resources with marketing sales, but nothing could help, like random sales, nothing special. Then his daughter posted content on TikTok about this book mm. the video is less than a minute but this video was authentic interesting uh, a story that author spent so much time to write a single book and uh, 50 million people watch this video by the way she did it from account with zero followers and this video became viral and one single video uh, beats a lot of marketing and sales generic channels, uh, and uh, of course I watched this video. I'm curious how to film such video know <laughs> to get uh, 50 million uh, people. Uh, and uh, what I saw, it's like authentic, you know, uh, authentic story, uh, transparent story uh, that author spent so much time to write this book. And today this book is bestseller on Amazon. So. Can you tell about collecting data? Because uh, I can write a blog article for a few hours, yeah? But writing a book takes like six months, a year, and this offer spent 14 years. So any tips about collecting dry data? Because you mentioned about
0: that. Uh, Interesting that you bring that up today because my blog post uh, for today, uh, you can see my blog at burnoff.com, is actually about that exact topic, about primary research, and on how to conduct it and how to include it. So what is primary research? That's new facts that are in your book for the first time that have not been published before. And that includes your own personal experience. Uh, It includes these stories uh, and collecting those stories means you need to have your ears open. You need to look at uh, what you read about in the news or hear about from your friends and say, ah, this is a story that belongs in my book. And it also includes actual data for example surveys uh that people conduct uh my book for authors has a survey of 242 non-fiction authors in it and that's more credible than it would be if i were just telling stories about things that had happened with me uh mm-hmm. but all of this research is not sufficient you have to weave it together into a compelling story um what it does is it adds credibility and you can boost that with secondary research. That is content that you find in other books and online. But the primary research is essential for a book to be something new, something that's worth paying attention to.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like how uh, Dale Carnegie uh, shared on his books, how he collected data. Basically, he listened to a uh, thousand speeches you know, mm-hmm. and he learned from them and found uh, uh, successful speeches, uh, non-successful. He divided them and explained (coughs) how you can collect this data. So, yeah, he basically did his job before writing a book. And yeah, that's why everyone knows about Dale Carnegie today. And I'm interested about uh, new offers. For example, I have the goal to write a book. I don't know when. I start many Mm -hmm. things to do, you know, I want to achieve something more. Uh, But uh, anyway, I have this goal and uh, I know from my clients, they uh, think about that as well. So uh, uh, can you tell how books can help boost your business? For example, uh, if someone has business and the goal to publish a book and get new customers uh, to tell more about your business Mm -hmm. So, any tips about that?
0: Yeah, I... In, in my author survey, I found that authors have a wide variety of different goals for their books. And the most important thing to understand is that you're unlikely to make huge amounts of money from actual book sales. Um, but if your book goes to a 1,000 people and they're exactly the 1,000 people you need to work with, you won't make a huge amount of money from book sales, but you might make a lot of money from, uh, from getting clients. So among the the goals that people accomplish with these books, the primary goal, the the number one thing that people said they were trying to do was to, uh, to share the knowledge that they had. And that's the compelling thing that people get out there. Also, people do this to boost their reputation. If you've published a serious book about a topic, you become known as an expert. And if you want to talk about monetizing things, a number of authors uh, develop successful careers as speakers. Some of them uh, have their businesses uh, generate leads through these books, um, and uh, they generate credibility. You know, your business is set apart if you're the company that's published the book. So there's a whole lot of ways that that people can develop credibility and boost their business by having a well-researched and, and insightful book that they've published.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah. Can you tell how to increase writing skills? Uh, For example, if uh, you want to write a book, but you need to write, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. you can uh, share value, you can provide something new, Mm -hmm. but if you can't write, nobody will care about your book. So any tips about how to increase it or
0: improve it? Uh, Yeah. I'm going to talk about two things here. One is simple and that's just practice. Uh, Yeah. And uh, (laughs) I have been blogging since 2004 and my current blog, burnoff.com, I publish every weekday, I publish a a post on there. So you just become very adept then at explaining your ideas. You develop an interaction with audiences, you learn what works and what doesn't work, and that practice will get get you to the point where you're better at writing. Now, the second Mm -hmm. thing I'm gonna talk about here is a method for writers to get beyond writer's block and to write fluid text and to do that when you have a chapter to write you start with a question so this chapter is going to answer the question uh how do i prepare for a cyber attack or the question uh how as an introvert do i build my network or whatever the question happens to be you then assemble all of the content that you've got interviews data secondary research ideas frameworks you put that all into a big file and arrange the bits and pieces in an order that makes sense. That's what I call a fat outline. And -hmm. the thing about a fat outline is that you don't have to be an excellent writer to do it and it doesn't tap into the insecurity of of imposter syndrome. You're just taking little bits and pieces and arranging them in a form that makes sense in terms of the the flow of the book. Now, Mm -hmm. when the time comes to write, you start at the beginning of that outline and you write the pieces one after another. And that is far, far easier to do than to just sit down and start typing. And that's really that sit down and start typing method is what gets people in trouble because they get stuck, they duplicate things, there are holes in what they write, they, they feel negative about what they're doing. If you write that fat outline first, then you're gonna be a lot better off when the time comes to actually write the chapter.
1: Nice, nice, yeah. Practice makes miracles, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, I wanna ask about uh, something that I see when people confuse uh, uh, two words: uh, consistency and frequency. You know, uh, because you mentioned that you just need to write. You know, I agree. You know, you can read a hundred books how to write, but if you don't write, I'm not sure that you can improve your writing skills. It's like Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, he doesn't read uh, a lot of books how to play soccer. He plays soccer. You know, he hits a ball a thousand times a day. That's why. Uh, he has the skill, so but we need to learn as well, to read books. Uh, I remember, uh, who told this? Uh, anyway, one famous <laughs> author told that. Yeah, uh, uh, you need to do two things. The first, to read a lot and to write a lot. <laughs> so, yes, it's true. Two simple things. But I want to know about discipline. Can you tell about your discipline? Uh, I mean, like, or schedule? Uh, because what I usually see people started to write two days three days then uh, have a party they have something else they can't write mm-hmm. and um, yeah they make a few uh, steps back you know with quality because uh, well-known offers write every single day they don't skip any day so any tips how to be disciplined on that and uh, to schedule your time uh, because I mean like, uh, to avoid any excuses or, uh,
0: anything mm, that can. Yeah. Well, I, uh, you know, that's a challenge that's different for every individual. Um, what I learned after I left my career as an analyst and started this new career, uh, helping authors is that nothing makes me happier than writing or editing, uh, text content. So. When I get away from that, when I'm persuaded to look at other things, uh, I always feel that I'm drawn back to, a oh, come on, let's write something. And that commitment to my audience that every day there's going to be something of substance on my blog, that's, that's central to what I do. I, I recently had a, a personal setback um, uh, last year that required me to take a break from that. And I just found that I lost the structure of the day when that happened that having that that need to communicate something of value to always be looking out for something to tell people about made made me disciplined about thinking about the future. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, whatever that habit is, if you get that habit and you you make it central and it shouldn't be something painful, it becomes something enjoyable. And then it's something you do every day, just like eating lunch or or, uh, you know, curling up with a good book uh, when it's bedtime.
1: Yeah, I I agree. No, I couldn't agree more. If you you know, I remember, uh, I don't know what's going on with my memory today. (laughs) Another great uh, book offer shared uh, her story when Mm -hmm. she got a letter from uh, a book offer who uh, complained that uh, he published uh, a bunch of books. Uh, He spent a lot of time by improving writing skills, but uh, nobody cares. He can't sell. His books and he asked for advice because most other offers just uh, told him perseverance, just do your job. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, he was suffering a lot, and she replied to him, Leave it, it's not for you. You know, if you suffer to do something, then find something else. Because you need to enjoy the process, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I see when people uh, force themselves to write or film or record audio podcast, and when they hate it, leave it. You know, it's not for you. Find that you enjoy. Yeah. If you don't enjoy, I'm not sure that you can achieve any success. It doesn't matter what you do. Just find format that you like. Record podcast. Well, hate it. <laughs> film videos. Hate it. Right. Mm. Hate anything, if I, <laughs> uh, choose another direction. My son loves playing soccer. So, <laughs> okay, it's uh, uh, he can do it, you know. And I think uh, everyone can find their way when you enjoy. For example, you know, I love uh, playing ping pong. I'm not waiting when someone will pay mm-hmm. money for my hobby. Uh, many people love watching TV. Okay, uh, it's your hobby. You are not waiting that... Some will pay money for your hobby. Even they pay money, you know, to get uh, loving movies. So, yeah, I I couldn't agree more with that. And I want to ask about uh, the logical structure of books. You know, uh, what I usually see when uh, new book offers usually uh, replicate existing content uh, to have the same logical structure. But, you know, it's like, Watching a movie when you uh, watch many similar movies before with the same plot, it's not interesting. Uh, readers, customers need something new. Can you tell how to stand out from the rest in your logical structure?
0: Well, I don't really think that the structure is the place to stand out. It is the content is the ah, place okay. to stand out. So I'm going to explain what the structure of business book is. Okay. Um, the most important thing is the first chapter has to be the scare the crap out of you chapter. Because in the first chapter, you need to motivate people to want to read the rest of the book. And there are two ways to scare the crap out of people, fear and greed. So mm-hmm. a fear chapter would be basically, um, hey, uh, you know, the, uh, if you don't pay attention to this, you could lose all of your investments. Or uh, there's a cyber attack coming and you need to be prepared. Okay, greed, which is much more common, is basically if you do what it says in this book, you'll make more money, you'll generate more leads, you'll you'll uh, be more productive. Um, so you don't want to miss out. But after you've scared the crap out of people, at that point, they're like, well, what do I do? The next few chapters should explain the basics of your, your idea. And then after that, you go into the details, the five steps, the the four criteria, whatever it happens to be, that you need to, to build on. And, uh, and yes, that's a fairly common kind of structure, but it's very effective because it draws people in. They are You're answering their questions in succession. Why do I need to pay attention to this? What are you talking about? What's the explanation? What's the first step? What's the next step? What's the next step? What are the consequences of this for my company how much will it cost how do i convince my boss basically each of those chapters is helping to answer one of those questions
1: mm-hmm. yeah interesting and uh, uh can you tell about Simplicity, uh, you know, I love uh, reading simple books that it's not hard to read. You know, when <laughs> uh, uh, when authors use simple language, uh, mm-hmm. and when it's hard, yeah, I, I can skip it to find another book. So, can you tell how to simplify
0: your content, context uh, in books? Well, you should be able to describe the main thesis of your book in one sentence, and if you read the title and the subtitle, it should basically. Uh, describe that. So, you know, you take a book like uh, "Made to Stick," right? This is this is going to be telling you in one sentence what it's necessary to do to have an idea that sticks. Uh, and uh, uh, the fact that it's simple to describe an idea doesn't mean that it's a simple idea. So, let's just take as an example. I mean, I've edited a book on on customer experience, and The basic thesis is your business will be successful only to the extent that you understand the experience customers are having and make it the best that it can be. That's a very simple thesis. Mm -hmm. But when you ask how do you do that, oh, well, you have to learn how to measure that and you have to change the culture of your company and you need to have methods for analyzing customer experience you need to look at different types of customers you need to understand the ecosystem that you're in with other companies and how that affects it you need to look at how technology makes a difference so even though it's a simple idea it is not necessarily uh simple enough that you wouldn't write a whole book about the consequences mm-hmm. <coughs> excuse me um yeah it's good. go on yeah okay uh,
1: uh can you tell about Marketing and sales. Okay, if you write a book, uh, it's only half of the job. <laughs> you have mm-hmm. content, but you yeah. need to promote. Of course, that's cool if you have uh, a daughter that can post content on TikTok to win <laughs> millions. <laughs> Not really <laughs> a strategy. <million. laughs> you have to just
0: get lucky because your daughter is good on TikTok, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. But anyway, I think, uh, yeah, you can use TikTok if you are good with that. That's okay. You know. So can you tell how to promote? a book, because what what I see when book offers uh, can hire marketers who don't know the book, uh, salespeople who don't know what kind of benefits. And I think it's better to cooperate like a cohesive team when uh, uh, book publishers take part in marketing uh, to promote the book. Don't relate that someone will decide all your problems uh, to promote a book. Any tips how to get more
0: visibility for your book? Yeah. So the main thing is that most authors don't put the same amount of energy into promotion as they do into writing. And that's a huge mistake. The idea that people will find your book because it's great, that doesn't usually work. And yes, if your daughter's talented on TikTok, maybe you get lucky, (laughs) but that's not a strategy. so you need to have a a promotional plan and the other big mistake that that authors make is to assume that the publisher will take responsibility for promoting your book publishers do have promotional groups and they do do publicity but the amount of time and energy that they spend on your book is limited and then they're off to to deal with somebody else's book so in general you need to take responsibility for that yourself and i have a uh Uh, a five-step process to think about that it's easy to remember PQRST. p is what's your positioning so for example this is a how-to book for authors or this is a motivational book for young people Um, q is the question what's the question you're answering uh so question might be something like uh, how should an i.t department be structured in a world that lives in the cloud um, and then R, S, and T are the tactics. R is reach. How will you get the message out to as many people as possible? Um, that's where uh, PR firms can sometimes help. S is spread. How will you make sure that when people become interested in your book that they have the tools to be able to tell other people about it, things that they can share? And T is timing because it's crucial that all this publicity takes place in a short period of time of about a month before the book is published and maybe a month or two after the book is published that's how you make sure that people are more likely to hear about it several times and that's what leads them to actually purchase it read it and start talking about it so positioning question reach spread and timing those are the five elements of doing effective book book promotion
1: nice nice uh josh um, you know when when i read uh, this book uh, jack london It's Mm -hmm. called Martin Eden about the guy who didn't have any education, Mm -hmm. but uh, he um, he had perseverance. Um, He worked hard to write uh, his books and uh, he started late, like in in 20. uh, Yeah, I don't remember exactly, but uh, it doesn't matter. He didn't take uh, lessons in school, in university, Mm -hmm. but he just decided to become a writer. He did it. And uh Jack London explained uh, all his way. And uh, what they found uh, on this book that a uh, hundred years ago uh, book offers uh, depended on uh, publishers. You mentioned about mm-hmm. publishers. and but today we have another direction, self-publishing. You can mm-hmm. uh, publish your book uh, and you own this book. If you relate to publishers, then publishers might uh, own your book. You just have your name on this book. You know, of course, you can uh, share revenue. But uh, uh, I read some advantages of uh, self-publishing books. Can you tell how to find which way is better to relate on great publishers like Penguin? I don't know, uh, less know, uh, known publishers or to be self-publisher to share on Amazon and promote uh, themselves. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So there are these days, there's three basic ways that you can get published. And I'm going to talk about what's good and bad about each of those. Yeah. There is, of course, the traditional way that we've all heard about, uh, which is to go out to a mainstream publisher. um, And that, of course, is what generates the most impact. It also has the enormous advantage that the publisher pays you an advance right? Tens of thousands of dollars. But to get that, you need to write a book proposal, which is a significant effort. You probably need to get an agent to get the book in front of uh, publishers. Um, And then even if you succeed with that and get a publishing contract, it's typically 15 to 18 months between when that that deal is made and when the book is actually published. And A lot of people don't want to wait that long. The second method which you didn't mention, is uh, hybrid publishing and in hybrid publishing you actually hire a publisher to publish the book for you Uh, it's very similar to traditional publishing except of course the economics are different you're paying and typically you're paying in the tens of thousands of dollars for a publisher like amplify or idea press or uh, wonderwell or any of the the, uh, really uh, successful hybrid publishers greenleaf book group to to get the book out there Um, Of course, in addition to the economics being different, you get much better service from these folks. In in the author survey I did, uh, people with hybrid publishers were much happier with their publishers than the people with traditional publishers. And again, you're still gonna have about six to nine months between when you submit the book and when it actually gets published. Mm -hmm. Now, the third way, the the simplest way is to just self-publish. You assemble the book, you sometimes can get, uh, publishing services company to help you with details like covers and page layout. You put it up on Amazon, and then you're ready to go. Very inexpensive and very fast. But of course, it's a lot less impact to say, oh, I self-published my book versus having a book with a traditional publisher. So if you want, you know, sort of quick and and dirty, you can you can do that with self-publishing. But if you really want to have an impact, you probably want to work with some sort of a publisher along the way hmm. Yeah. Got it. Got it.
1: Uh, let's talk about editing, uh, because uh, I know that book offers have a bunch of editors, not one, two, you know, mm-hmm. for example, if you write a blog post, you might have one editor. We don't need a mm-hmm. lot of them, but in the book, it's another experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, many editors are good with grammar, others with uh, user experience. So mm-hmm. can you tell? how to find great editors uh, and uh, uh, do we need to rely to publishers who can uh, might have this team of editors, Mm -hmm. or we need to hire uh, themselves. So any tips about that?
0: Well, uh, in talking to publishers these days, they typically require you to submit a publishable manuscript. And that Mm -hmm. means that they don't do that much in the way of editing. They expect you to be responsible for the editing. That means you're probably gonna wanna hire a developmental editor which is an expert in business books and how to make them better. That's some of the work that I do, but there are lots of other developmental editors out there and we will look at everything from, is the idea any good? Uh, Is the content organized in an appropriate way? Do you understand how a book chapter works? Are there good stories in here? Are the facts supporting things? Is it organized in a way that makes sense? Um, everything down to how the sentences and paragraphs fit together. So the developmental editor helps you to go from whatever you wrote, fix the weaknesses, and turn it into a manuscript that is uh, as close to publishable as possible. Mm-hmm. Now, at the very end of that process, you probably hire a different kind of editor that's called a copy editor, and they worry about things like grammar and consistency. Um, most developmental editors don't have the same eye for detail that a copy editor would have. But the purpose of the copy editor is is to basically just catch errors that you made very different from the development editor, which is dealing with meaning and whether the book is actually successfully accomplishing its goals.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Let's talk about challenges. Uh, You know, when I start something new. I always have a bunch of challenges. Sometimes I build high expectations, but when I get these pitfalls, I understand, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not simple. So can you tell what kind of challenges book offers can meet during their way and your tips, how to uh, simplify this experience uh, to overcome these challenges? Yeah,
0: the the key is to do things in the right order. I, I mean, I recently had a friend who was a very accomplished author post in an author group that I'm in. She said, I don't know what to do now. I'm 75,000 words into my 60,000 word book. Um, And I thought, "Oh, okay, I see what your problem is. You wrote and wrote and wrote and, and now you have to figure out how it actually all fits together. The key is to start in the right order. So you want to start by focusing on the idea and the title There is an idea development process you can do to focus that and to basically get what I call a treatment, which is a one-page description of the book and what's going to be in it. Um, That's similar to what you'd read on the flap copy of of a hardback book. It makes promises about what the book will do. Having done that treatment, the next step is to create a logical table of contents that uh, And the method for that is what I call a reader question method. Each chapter in the table of contents should answer a specific question that the reader might have, and those questions should follow one from the next. Um, you're simultaneously with this doing as much research as you can and collecting those stories I was talking about. Um, then from there, one by one, you actually assemble those chapters. Um, this is where you work with a development editor to make sure that your content is where it should be. Um, and, uh, these are all basically writing and creation challenges separate from this, a sort of parallel track is how are you getting this published? Are you writing a book proposal and getting it out to traditional publishers? Um, are you making a deal with a hybrid publisher to get it out? Are you self-publishing? And you basically want to line that up so that when your manuscript is ready to go, that you have a publishing method on the other end that allows you to take it from your manuscript into uh, the completion to an actual completed book.
1: Mm -hmm. Nice, nice valuable. Let's talk about something that I always do. I do a lot of mistakes, you know, but uh, I I know two types of mistake, something that you can avoid and something that you can learn from them. So can Mm you tell mistakes that we can avoid during the way? Uh, And yeah, any tips how to find another way?
0: (laughs) Uh, Well, I, the, I, in terms of avoidable mistakes, there are so many things about publishing that are confusing to authors. Um, And at the risk of being self-promotional here, I mean, I just wrote a a 75,000 word book, which has got a list of everything you need to know, uh, build a better business book. And so if you want to find the avoidable mistakes, they're all listed in there. (laughs) The, the, uh, in terms of the other mistakes, the key, is to have a good developmental editor. Because a developmental editor doesn't just say, this would be better if it were like this than like that. They have a a sort of therapist, psychotherapist kind of quality where they're like, you seem to write everything in the passive voice. What's your problem with telling people who's doing what as opposed to just floating around in this this passive perspective? Or um, you start each chapter by saying, promising what you're gonna do, why don't you just start with a story and then just do it. So, uh, you know, the the developmental editor is key to helping you to not only identify your mistakes, but to learn from what you did and become smarter as a result of those. Yeah, I agree, love it, love it. Uh,
1: Josh, uh, one topic I can't avoid, uh, that was simple yesterday, Hard today, mm-hmm. impossible tomorrow about ai you now you can ask ai to write a book ai can do it you know <laughs> much mm-hmm. faster than, than you can but of course uh of course uh, it will
0: I... stink yes but like, go on
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> so okay uh, you know I, I spoke with um uh, jeff coyle uh he's co-founder of market news and he told me that in the future we'll have three companies the first company will develop ai the second company implement and the third company will be obsolete so we we can consider this tool Uh, i i use ai i use before chat gpt but i use in different way i don't generate content but Mm. i edit content with ai i get ideas many things so can you tell how book offers can use ai today to simplify experience of writing book to create a great
0: book well people don't understand that that authors use ai already Mm -hmm. because if you're using microsoft word and it's like oh you you left a word out of this sentence or you know this isn't grammatical that's ai in the background that understands natural language um and you know before that there were spell checkers so now we have uh, tools that can help us as authors so to use ai as a tool to help you say you know read this chapter and tell me what the five main ideas are in here oh that's not what i expected it to be i need to rewrite the chapter um i have done an exercise where i used ai to help generate ideas of titles for for books based on book descriptions and it comes up with some terrible ideas but it also comes up with some interesting ideas and you as an author can say oh that's intriguing i'm going to look further into that but i don't believe that ai Will be writing uh books in the future um and that ai written books to the extent that they're published i can tell you they will be terrible Um, Mm -hmm. and the reason is that real authors human authors have a quality that ai does not and that's called wit so what is wit wit is humor it is the interesting way to write things it's the turn of phrase it's the the thing that allows you as a reader to connect to the author and say, oh, I understand how she feels or where he's going through the same sort of thing that I went through. Um, this, you know, uh, idea of wit is not something that AI is any good at. And if you really want to have an example of that, go ask your local AI program to write some jokes and then you will see just how terrible it is. <laughs> yeah. So, so. Uh, I, I believe that that books worth reading will continue to be written by human authors, even if they use AI to help them along the way. They're going to be in charge of the process and they're going to be the ones creating things. Yeah, it's only a tool, but it's a rewriting tool. You know, that's why yeah.
1: jokes are not interesting because, yeah, yeah, AI just uh, rewrote existing jokes, but people are not interested to <laughs> get them again. You know. Mm. And uh, Josh, uh, I want to ask about your books. You know, I have a huge list of books that I need to read. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I usually, uh, before reading, because, uh, you know, I can read a teeny percent of all existing books. Uh, uh, and I usually choose what kind of books I can read uh, because many other things to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I choose books uh, because of value or benefits that I can get from these books. So can you list benefits that I can get and my audience can get by reading your books, what kind of books you have? And uh, yeah, tell how they can help us to uh, grow our businesses, anything that uh, will relate to benefits.
0: (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to talk about uh, the books I wrote. The first three books I wrote are business strategy books, and I really strongly urge people not to buy them. And the reason is they're obsolete. The The book you can see uh, behind me on the, uh, you know, that, that groundswell, the book that sold 150,000 copies, at the time it was a very effective book on social media strategy. But if you go in there now, there's a whole section, for example, on what to do about MySpace. I mean, let's be serious. That's not what people are doing right now. Um, the two most recent books I wrote, I wrote a book called Writing Without Bullshit, which is a... Uh, manual for how people can be successful in corporations with writing. And this talks about things like how to write short, how to get directly to the point, how to avoid passive voice and jargon and, and, uh, uh, meaningless words, um, how to write in a, in a collaborative process. Um, and then, uh, after, uh, the last eight years of working with authors, I created this build a better business book. So this is basically a comprehensive manual for anyone who wants to write nonfiction. And so this is everything I learned in eight years of working with authors. Whatever your questions are, how do I get a book cover done? Who's responsible for the index? How do I find a publisher? How do I structure the book? How do I make sure my idea is any good? How do I get past writer's block? Whatever the question is, there are answers in there. And that was, that's why that book exists.
1: Nice. Yeah, guys, I'm going to read them. Uh, If you want to find these books, uh, check out in the description below. You can find Mm -hmm. these books. I don't mention your first three books. Sorry. (laughs) That's okay. I'm not,
0: the copyright for those three books is owned by my previous employer, Forrester Research. So uh, it doesn't do (laughs) me any good if you buy them anyway. (laughs) Okay, got it. But other books I will mention,
1: I link to them and Mm -hmm. Josh. My final question about the future, I want to ask you to take your crystal ball and tell what kind of future will be, Um, especially that we have AI today. Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't know. It's only beginning of this journey. Um, Many things will come like augmented reality. Apple is going to create this headset. By the way, I don't see a big difference, you know, if you use smartphone, you know, if you take it, Mm. you you watch the screen as well. So, yeah, Mm. probably it's the same like with smartphone, but we'll see. So your tips about the future and how we can adapt to this possible future.
0: Well, AI is a huge, huge shift. So it will definitely make a big difference in the way content gets generated. Um, But what the other thing it will do is it's going to flood the internet and the publishing world with crap. Um, as I'm sure you and your your listeners understand, there's no sense of accuracy in what AI does. I asked AI to write a biography for me, and it it said that um, I studied, I have a master, I have a bachelor's degree in classics from Harvard University, and an MBA. Neither of which is true. I never went to Harvard University, and I don't have an MBA. It also said I wrote three best-selling books, which is not true. I wrote one best-selling book. So, mm-hmm. so I, uh, in a world where there's all this crap out there, inaccurate and boring, there's just more and more of a focus on actual human authors that have wit and that you can trust to tell the truth. So there will be, I think, a stratification where most of the internet is filled with this crappy content but we understand that anatoly is someone we can trust that josh burnoff is someone we can trust that daniel pink is someone we can trust we learn who authors are that have a unique and interesting point of view that are people who are who are dedicated to accuracy and this will basically stratify content between the real human authors and all of the crap created by ai
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice. Awesome. Awesome. Love it. Josh, it's a big pleasure to get in my show, to learn from you. I love your all valuable insights. Tell the best way
0: how to keep learning from you, how to reach out to you, how to follow you. Okay, well, uh, everything about me is accessible through my website and my blog. So I'm at burnoff.com, B-E-R-N-O-F-F.com. My blog is at burnoff.com slash blog. You can subscribe to my daily blog. And uh, for people who are interested in the book, burnoff.com slash books will get you to uh, to my books and you can uh, get a copy directly from the publisher there or just go on Amazon and you'll be able to get the ebook or the print book there and very soon the audio book that's coming in the next few days.
1: Nice. Nice. Guys, you can find the link to, uh, to LinkedIn account, to the website, mm-hmm. uh, to the books that we mentioned on this episode in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google. Spotify. Thanks again, Josh. A big pleasure. Love it. So valuable. I'm going to read your books because I see a lot of value. Okay, guys, I recommend to anyone to read these books. See you.
0: Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at SEOtools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.